Excellent. Well, we'll be starting next week a journey through the book of Philippians, but homing in on the word joy and what joy means to us and the joy of how we can step into what it means to be really full of the joy of the Lord and know that in our lives. And and why joy? Well, I'll I'll tell you why joy, because happiness simply isn't good enough. And let me explain that a little bit to you, that very often happiness is, is something that is quite superficial. It's something that is um, something that, that, that kind of goes with how we feel, the kind of day that we have. But joy is, is something that is rooted deeply in who we are as children of God and the difference that Christ can make in our lives. So, um, so we begin that uh, series that will run through... Um, the rest of April and into May as we get ready towards the uh, summer season. So uh, Pastor Glenn and I are really excited about that, that teaching opportunity. And also, we really want to address what robs Christians of the joy that God has given us. What robs us of that in our lives? What creates that problem and, and what robs us in that? So um, it's, uh, be sure to dial in for that and get involved in, um, in the studies and uh, the small group notes and, and so on. So last week, Pastor Glenn spoke what was a free preach. So basically, free preaches, we preach whatever we'd like to preach or we feel the Lord leading us to do. So last week, Pastor Glenn spoke an amazing message on that God is enough. This week, I want to change it completely and talk about something that you may be surprised. I want to talk about how to get a bonus blessing. Now, now, a young man in church said to me, uh, a rather cheeky little guy, he said to me, what are you preaching on, Pastor Phil? He said last night. And I said, I'm preaching on a bonus blessing. He looks at me and goes, hmm, is that even in the Bible? Well, I want to talk about a bit of a bonus blessing out of a subject that we don't like to talk about. And this subject is judgment. Now, judgment is a big subject. So I'm not going to unpack the whole of judgment. I want to talk about the aspect of judgment about the way that we approach other people in day-to-day situations of being human. Now, I'm not going to be talking about judgment in the way that we approach situations such as, oh, Pastor Phil has ran off with the offering, he's down at, um, at Tim Hortons, and I'm going to go there and have a word with him. That's judgment that brings correction. And the reason you would want to correct me from being in Tim Hortons and not in Starbucks is... <laughs> is really um, because you want to see me restored to Starbucks and come away from the evil of Tim Hortons. Of course, I'm making that up because I am actually a Tim Hortons fan. Of course I am. I mean, who wouldn't, as a Canadian, who, um, <laughs> who would not go to Tim Hortons? <laughs> who would not go to Tim I mean, uh, named after the first Canadian Prime Minister. It's brilliant. So... <laughs> 
So I, I want to talk about personal judgment, not, not kind of the throne room, not looking at society and seeing we judge that, that this law is wrong, you know, the, uh, uh, the different laws that are passed uh, and so on. As Christians, we do look at the world and we do judge what is in line with the word of God and what is not in line with the word of God. Of course, we do that. So it's a complex uh, subject, so I don't want you to get confused by this, what I want to home in on is your inner language, the way you treat people, the way that you process this in your mind. So I'm going to preach on a scripture that you're familiar with, but you're unfamiliar with it in this way. So, but first of all, let me talk a little bit how we look at the world and judge the world. You see, it's how we view things. Emotional pain becomes our window to the world. We look at everything around us and judge it in light of our past pain. Correct. How many of you know people that won't step foot in a church because they went to a church somewhere else and they had a dreadful experiences? Therefore, they judge that church for every church. Their past experience creates pain. We know that. Many of us know this from the dentist. I've got... I've got, forgive me dentists that are present, I've got what's called English teeth. <laughs> In other words, when Canadians, dentists see the English coming or the Europeans, they go, ching, ching. Yeah, a lot of work to be done there. And that's basically because English dentists in the 1970s were torturers. And, and so we, we, you know, we follow this, follow that and so on. And so you mentioned dentists to an English person, our past pain creates an image of what it no longer really is. And we create a picture in our mind about this. I had I met a young pastor. He'd pastored in a church similar to Willow Park on the prairies. He'd been planting a church for the last 10 years in a, um, in a town in the interior here. And I said, well, come and meet me at the church and I'll, we'll go for coffee. I'd like to encourage you. So he came, walked into the building. And this is what kind of thing pastors do. I said, would you like to see the sanctuary? We live very boring lives. And yes, come into the sanctuary. He stood in the sanctuary and I saw his whole physiology change. He said, I'm sorry, I just have to leave. I haven't been in a church that looked like this for over 15 years. And I had such a bad time when I was a young youth pastor. (sighs) The view of how he viewed the world was affected by the pain he was carrying. You'll be pleased to know that the Lord really ministered to him and freed him of that. And God did something amazing and he did, came and joined us with Encounter God and he was sick. But, but we, we view things out of our emotional pain. And so often we judge things out of it. Now we may say, well, why isn't life just really easier? I mean, Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, Why? Why doesn't, it, why doesn't it feel easier? In fact, when it beca- I become a Christian, sometimes it feels a lot harder. Well, first of all, can I remind you, you do have an enemy that wants to rob you of your Christian passion and desire to serve God. But can I also say that life becomes easier when you listen to the voice of Jesus about the situations that are a burden for you. 
When you get his heart, his view, you listen to the voice of God in your life, life becomes a lot easier in that way in your life. But really, it should be easier. It should be light. We are a forgiven people. We are a people that have received rights of sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can come into his glorious presence and know his presence at work within our lives. But often it doesn't always feel that easy, does it? Let's be honest. It's tough. It's hard. Sometimes that pain of a past event, it may not be where you worked in Saskatchewan or the dentist you went to, but it's something a lot more serious than just falling around for a moment. But it doesn't feel that. We need to let Jesus speak to us. You know, I have a privilege of mentoring 11 pastors at the moment. Uh, not, not all, it takes me an hour a week. Uh, we all gather online and they range from um, um, different denominations. And we talk about our journey to discern the mind of God through prayerfulness and through understanding God. So it's a great privilege to do this. And... Um, and there's a pass as far as Montreal, uh, a Alliance Church plant, downtown Toronto, the Toronto Alliance Church, uh, different groups, there's some Pentecostals there, there's a pastor of an Ebenezer Baptist Church, whatever that is, and I'm learning. And it's, but what amazes me is that when they're sharing, they talk about their, the pain and the difficulty and how they're learning to rather than try and manage that themselves, but to give it over to Jesus and to find his voice in the middle of the storm. You know what they're saying to me? They're saying, it's becoming easier to be in ministry because I'm hearing the voice of Jesus again. That applies to us all, you know. It applies to us all and we understand this, but we know that endless judging creates pain. You know, and this is where Matthew chapter 7, we'll be looking at at Luke chapter 6, but it actually says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, most of us have this idea and we understand this that this means if I if I judge then God's gonna judge me now it's true we may all experience a time of judgment of course um but uh, as Eugene Peterson puts it this way, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults unless of course you want the same treatment that critical spirit has, has a way of boomeranging. And I want to um, just think, say that this scripture actually means this. It means that when we judge others, Jesus is saying, people are going to judge you. Now let's think about this. It's a little bit echoey on the sound, if you could bring it down a little bit. Thank you. Let's think about this, what it actually means. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Criticise their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. 
If I judge other people, God is going to judge me, is the way we've always heard it preached. The way that we've always understood it. It's, it's you know, we're going to experience that. But somehow, for me, that never made complete sense. Because the truth is this, that what we give to people, we get back. If we give criticism, if we give judgment, if we jump on their failures, if we tear them to pieces, then we get that back, is what Jesus is saying. But what we, what we don't realise is that if we give, say, kindness, and we give love, and we give mercy, he's actually saying you'll get that back as well. You'll get it back. So we understand that what we give, we get back as a bonus blessing. This little phrase, bonus blessing, comes from Eugene Peterson in in his translation, The Message. And I was reading it and I thought, this is such a lovely phrase because I would like a bonus blessing. You know what it's like to get a bonus sometimes, don't you? You've done your tax returns this year and they tell you, yes, the government are going to give you something back. Hooray. It means I can give more to the church. And hurrah. This is fantastic. I've got all of this going on. Wow. This is good. It's a bonus. But what about those blessings that come when you don't expect them? When the Canadian government writes to you and says, we've reviewed your tax and we've decided we owe you some money. Yeah, that's not ever going to happen. But it does sometimes. But usually goes the other way. We've used it and you owe us. Let's look at Luke 6.37. The parallel scripture connected to this. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now we've often preached this just about generosity. We've often preached it about your ability to give generously. And when you give generously, it's going to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's going to land right back in your lap and you are going to be blessed. Wow, I've given this money to this cause. I've supported Garden. I've done this in my mission and this is going to come back to me running over, and I'm going to be super blessed because I've given generously. Can I say that although, of course, there is a great blessing in generosity, it may surprise you in the context of this verse, what Jesus is really teaching us (coughs) is this. He's teaching us about what we give to other people. If we give criticism, if we give condemnation, 
If we create those little stories of judgment within our mind and those scenarios and they move within our heart and in our mind, what happens? He's saying, listen, you judge people harshly, you're in danger. They might just come back and land in your lap. But even worse, more. Now, how many of us have experienced this? How many of us have known a father that has been really negative and condemning to a child and really pushed them down? And then years later, when that man grows up, he is more negative and more condemning on the father. Have we seen that happen? We see it happen all the time. We see what can take place. You see, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with a bonus blessing. There it is. Giving, giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And the challenge to the Christian is that we don't live our lives constructing narratives of judgmental thinking, of wiping people off, of, of condemning and jumping all over their failures. But we live our lives where we bless others, where we encourage others, where we come and we see what God can do. And we look at lives in a generous way and we encourage them. And it says, when you are kind, when you are willing to show that love, there's something amazing happens when you show kindness, grace and generosity, it lands right back in your lap, pushed down, measured, overflowing and you will know God's blessing. Now, come on. Have you not discovered that judging people and situations in your mind all the time is really hard work? It is, isn't it? Have you not noticed that the constructs of our minds, what do you mean? Well, let's bear with me on this as we move forward to think about this. What I give to others, I will simply get back. You see, if you give kindness and love, Other people will give you kindness and love, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. If you give judgment and criticisms, others will give you judgment and criticism, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. We wrongly assume that we have nothing to do with how others treat us when the truth is, they usually gave back to us a harvest of how we treated them. So there's something here, four dangers I want you to understand. I want you to understand, first of all, there's a danger of assuming people's motives. Do you ever do that? 
Now, I experience this sometimes, and let me give you a scenario. I may be, I'm the pastor of this church. I love being here as the pastor of this church, and it is a great blessing to be involved in so many lives. Um, Many of us have been praying for uh, Brenda Martinson, who went, uh, has been battling with cancer and, and, and had a, a massive operation this, um, this Friday. And on Monday night, we prayed for Brenda and asked that God would do an amazing thing because we wanted the, really the vein uh, needed to move so that the operation for the cancer could be successful. And when the surgeon arrived there, the vein had indeed moved and it was a massive success. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. We keep praying for her recovery. You may know her as the lady that takes pictures of the bears down at Mission Creek. And, and it's wonderful. That's a great, I love that. I love the fact that, that at Easter weekend, uh, we baptised a gentleman that only joined our church five months ago. He was in Value Village. He was looking around Value Village. He walked out, looked at our church and went, I'm, I must go to that church. So he turned up and sat there. And you know what happened? He got saved. And his daughter said, my dad went from grumpy dad to happy dad. And, and, and he got baptised on Sunday night. I love that. I love that people get saved nearly every week in different ways through our ministry. But I'm the pastor. And sometimes we assume motives of people around us. And by assuming motives, I mean we judge them, don't we? I may imagine for a moment I get out of my car and I, I'm, I, I, I've come from somewhere and I, I walk into the lobby and I'm on route to somewhere and I walk past somebody and that person says to me, hello, Pastor Phil. I may not hear them and I walk straight past them and I miss that moment. That person might go, hmm, hmm, Pastor Phil ignored me. I wonder why. I think that maybe Pastor Phil, he is, you know, he's got something against me. Maybe it was that time when I didn't visit his house. Maybe it was that time when I know that he likes cookies. And I didn't give him cookies. But he doesn't like me. Maybe that he doesn't like me because of this. And what happens? You build little judgments in your mind, right? And you start to build, oh, well, I, I don't know. I, if he doesn't like me, do you know what? I think I might. Oh, I might leave the church. It's a bit dramatic. I'm going to go to oh, Evangel. I'm going I'm to go off. And I'll show him. Oh, no. And we start to create construct. Now, it could be that I was in the days. I'd just come from a funeral. I was en route to meet somebody whose marriage was falling to pieces. And I was, my mind was full of things. And I didn't actually see you. Right? But we often judge. And we create stories in our mind to explain the judgment. And that creates a lot of pain in many of us. Because we've become so good at creating 
reasons for people's motives rather than just observing and then choosing not to judge. And if it bothers you that much, you should probably just ask. And 95% of the time, it's something quite simple and benign. And there is a danger of assuming. And this is what Jesus is saying. Give up here in your mind, in your life. Give up the right of judgment without knowledge. Give up the right of assuming without knowing facts. Give up the right of of building a construct in your mind whereby it creates a lot of pain within you actually over nothing. And how many of us have ever done that? That we've created this big scenario in our mind. It must be this. They must think that. My friend hasn't called me. We must have a problem. We must have a difficulty. And finally you get with them and you hear what's going on and you feel pretty stupid because you realise that really you've just been too touchy. Can I just share with you that Touchiness is not a spiritual gift. (laughs) How many of us assume motives? How many of us, the danger of giving significance to that? Judging without knowledge and judging without, uh, you may observe something, but bringing judgment to it is not your job. Your job is to bless. Your job is to encourage. And if it is that much of a problem, your job is to find out the facts and get it resolved because of the observation. But so many of us are tormented by the power of judgment because we join the accuser's work rather than God's work. The accuser always accuses and builds Condemnation against others, what Christ does, he builds life. And we danger, we give significance. I remember when I was a young pastor, there was a lady in the church I was convinced didn't like me. I I know that's hard to imagine, but (laughs) I was convinced. She was a bit, you know, she had a a very stern face and she taught in Sunday school and occasionally she'd get really uptight with me if the sermon went over time with the Sunday school. She was like, it happens to young pastors and not that I'm one to preach very long. But I remember she said to me one day at the beginning of the week, I really need to talk to you. But can we meet in a week's time? I said, yeah, yeah, happy to meet. Come down to the office. That week, I constructed so many judgments in my mind. She's going to say this. She's going to do this. I'm going to get this. And Michelle said, what's the matter with you? And when you're a young pastor, you really feel it. Uh, you feel it when you're old, by the way. But you really, you really feel it. You think, oh, she's, she's coming and, you know, and, and she's so stern. She's going to tell me. She's going to basically tell me everything I'm doing wrong. She's going to tell me all about this. She's going to pour out. She's going uh, to complain. And I'm, uh, it's so hard enough. And, 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 oh, I can't stand this and it's going to happen and I'm creating all of these these narratives in my mind. I'm judging it before I know anything, right? What does that create in me? I give it significance and it it becomes painful. 
And to make it worse, her husband was a bit of a pain sometimes as well. <laughs> so I thought it's going to be like, I'm going to go into this meeting and she's going to pull out, you know, like shotgun Sally, double barrel shotgun. <laughs> and you're going to have pasta all over the wall. <laughs> she sat down. She started talking. And she told me amazing things. She told me about a childhood that was basically emotionally abusive, about living in a massive house but never being allowed to go out of a room. She told me about the struggles she had had trying to connect with people and how it affected her physiology and her health. And she said, I've listened to you now preach for three years and I've decided that if it's true, I need Jesus to bring healing and freedom in my life. Wow, did I just feel like a complete loser. I had built all of this judgment over something that didn't exist when really it was God was working. You see, 95% of the time, it's not about you. It's about them. And we've got to remember there's a danger of giving significance. The judgment you make is based on your decision about why that person did what they did. But you don't often have the right to make that decision. The degree of pain or insult you experience from the action of others is based solely on the judgment you pass. And the judgment you pass is, a, is your assumption of why he or she did what they did. Your assumption. Pain is inevitable. Life hurts. Okay? It hurts. True. Our kids hurt us. Our relationships hurt us. Our friendships aren't always what we want. It hurts. Well, that's inevitable. But suffering is optional. Because you've got a place to bring your hurt. You've got a place to bring your pain. You've got a place to release it. And that place is at the feet of the beautiful Jesus. You know, there's a danger of not controlling your reaction to situations. Sometimes we judge it, we react when we don't know. And that has a a way of coming back to us and landing in our laps, measured, pushed down and overflowing. And final point, there's a danger of forgetting people act because of who they are. People are not doing things because of us. They are doing things because of who they are. And sometimes we live a world of that, it must be my fault. Hey, uh, there's a way to live, I discovered as a young pastor, that really helped me. It's called 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I choose always to respond in love and I choose to suspend judgment until I know heart and 
process, then that love will flow through my life. And maybe you've spent too much time constructing judgment in your mind or even speaking it out and it's been landing back on your lap. And that's not been pleasant. In fact, it feels like you may have said something, but it came back to you measured, pushed down and flowing over. There's some beautiful moments in church life and pastoral ministry. One of it, which can be incredibly moving, is when usually somebody in their 30s or 40s says to me, Pastor Phil, I was adopted, but I made the decision to hunt down my biological parents. Can you pray for me and... I will see what happens in the journey. I've probably half a dozen times been involved in this journey. And so they find their biological parents sometimes, and then there's the meeting. Happened recently in Calgary. A daughter had found the mom. And there's the TV shows about this, of course. But what's really interesting, the times I've been involved the mom has always said to the child, it's not about you, it was about me. I was 17. I didn't know what to do. Back then, you couldn't be open and tears start to flow. It's not about you. It was about me. I was addicted to drugs. I was living on the streets. I had to do something and I gave you up. But you know what I've noticed about the person, the child, who's now maybe usually in their middle age where they feel the confidence to do this? They've carried for years the idea that it was always about them. And isn't it true on a smaller level about us that when we judge something, we always think it's about us? When we forget actually it's about them. And our job is to be like Christ. Our job is to love. Our job is to be kind. Our job is maybe to not be too touchy. Our job... It's completely different to be like Jesus in the situation (laughs) and to be Christ-centric, not self-centric. So how many people have you created little constructs about in your mind? And that danger of assuming motives, the danger of giving Significance, the danger of not controlling your reaction, the danger of forgetting that people act because of who they are. It doesn't mean that we're not alert, that if you see a friend going wrong, you correct him, as I said at the beginning. Forgive him. And even if it's a person against you and they repeat it seven times through the day, The seven times he says, I'm sorry, 
I won't do it again. Forgive. Forgiveness is the greatest gift that Christians have. Forgiveness is our unique selling point of the faith. We're all condemned people. We're all shameful people. We have all failed, but we have been forgiven. And eternity is ours in the gospel. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's the right to give up judgment when we don't know the truth. What are we going to do? It's the right to hand it to Jesus so it doesn't torment us. Oh, by the way, when you live like this, your yoke becomes easy and the burden becomes light. It's amazing. I love being a Christian, which is a relief because I'm a pastor. (laughs) Let's pray. As we pause in prayer, I saw a beautiful thing yesterday on national, global TV. I saw the Uncle of Michael Brown, the first black youth killed in the Ferguson riots, stand before 70,000 people and declare his forgiveness for the authorities and the police and the culture. It was in an all-day prayer meeting. And I thought, that is exactly what it's about. The power of forgiveness. Lord, I pray at the end of this gathering that you will help us to step into your grace, into your forgiveness. Help us to observe and not judge. Help us not to assume the worst and help us to look for those moments where it comes back to us. So good. That bonus blessing. Measured, pressed down, overflowing, and it lands in our lap when we are kind, giving people that are forgiven by the grace of God, Lord. Amen.